0: Our folks, we are going to war today, and not, not obviously, if you've been, hopefully you know this, but not in a physical sense. We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not of this world, of this world. They, are, they are divine, they are spiritual, they destroy strongholds, they, they overcome evil, they, they empower us. These weapons, these divine weapons. And this is what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to look at spiritual warfare, which we need uh, the believer. And if you're not, there's some really good news for you today because your life can completely change. Grace changes everything. You can be a new creation today, instantly. That's really neat. It really is. And if you are a new creation and you don't feel like a new creation, I've got some good news for you today, too. We're going to grow in maturity. We're going to realize that there's more at stake than your own personal needs. What our identity is, what we've been called into, is this downright dirty spiritual warfare. Here's the thing, though don't do that on Facebook, on the political chat boards. That ain't it. That's not spiritual warfare, that's that's passivity. Spiritual warfare is different. Okay, get your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at a couple of different scriptures today. James chapter 4, John chapter 1. James chapter 4, let's skip down to verse 4. And get your notes out, too. Even if you're not a note taker. I'm not a note taker. Like, I know some of you need like the, the three points and the five points and the conclusion and all that kind of stuff. I totally get it. Um, I'm just kind of like, let's just learn by osmosis. Just dump some knowledge on me. But I think you need to write some stuff down today. Chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or don't you think that scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right, let me just stop there just for a second. I'm going to keep on reading, but I want you to write this down. How do you feel? Right after we just read this scripture, some of you know it already, but I want, I don't want to know, but I want you to write down your feeling right now. The first impulse that you get when you just heard the word of God. How do you feel? Write it down because you need to review this later. Write this down because how, how, you, how you interpret this scripture, how you read it, how, what it meant to you is, is really important. What's your perception of the word of God? What is your perception of the Lord himself? How did you feel? Then he goes on to say, this is a great, uh, this is what I'm going to get into solely today. It's one of the keys to spiritual warfare. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. You come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's like one of my favorite verses. I don't know why. I just love that. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Just interesting. We'll stop there. So what does this all mean? Why am I reading this one? Because like, there is an enemy of God. There is a... A literal attack on you and your families and on the gospel message the good news of grace and what it means for us like the enemy of God does not want us to understand the dimensions and the facets and the empowering work of God's grace in our lives he wants us to stay ignorant to the fact that there is grace I want you to circle this now. I don't, don't, you know, no matter how you felt, try to circle this, or at least write this next to the feeling that you had. He gives us more grace. He gives us more grace. Let's just say that you wrote something down that felt a little negative. Oh my gosh, we just read that. I felt a little condemned. I feel a little guilty. I feel a little under pressure if you had one of those feelings, one of those emotions, here's the good news for you. He gives you more grace. And if you don't understand, if you have not experienced the grace of God, you will read right over James and you won't get it. James is an absolutely amazing book. I'm fascinated with the book of James because, in one sense, it seems like, well, it's all about works and not about faith. No, it's both. I hung out with Steve Shogren yesterday. Hey, do you guys know who he is? Janie Shogren's husband, uh, best selling author, wrote The Conspiracy of Kindness. Uh, he's an incredible man of God. And uh, you, you should hang out with him and talk to him sometime. And he said, Jesus was an existentialist. What does that mean? Um, it means that Jesus was practical. Like, he is the most incredible man of faith that has ever walked the planet. He had a subjective insight to the divine that was, I mean, this is mind-boggling. And yet, he did stuff. And he, 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 he acted not out of a sense of, okay, I have to do this. No, he acted because... It, we could do nothing else. Okay, the idea of, uh, of, uh, of existentialism is if it was just you and a big giant rock and a mountain, would you push that rock up the mountain? The existentialist would. What's the purpose? I don't know. It's there. You just do it. Yeah? Either you just don't have that or you don't have anything to do. Now, passivity is the opposite. Passivity creeps into the church. And passivity is just another expression of religious behavior. I got it all figured out. I'm going to sit in my pew. I'm going to check my boxes. And I don't really need to be activated by the empowering work of grace in my life. All right, so what does this all mean? We're looking at Martin Luther. Uh, not Martin Luther King, but the Martin Luther that's... The, we're celebrating 500 years of him proclaiming um, that indulgences weren't a good thing. He nailed the 95 thesis on the wall, and this whole thing stemmed from his, his discovery of grace in the Bible like he's read the Bible over and over and over again he had entire chunks memorized he was an incredible scholar yet he did not know what grace was he read over it the whole time when he read what we just read uh, he, he, he just glossed over this little nugget that says and he gives us more grace he gives us more grace See, grace is required for spiritual warfare because it gives you something that you do not have. One element of grace, the first and the most important, is that grace is the thing that actually saves us. But it does not stop there. It continues, and it continues to grow. Grace empowers us. Martin Luther discovered it. When you discover the goodness of God, when you discover grace, here's the unfortunate truth. You are no longer an enemy with God. You are now an enemy with the world. That's exciting. Unfortunately, warfare is going to be a constant topic in your spiritual life. Either you are in enmity with God or you are in enmity with the devil. I would rather be at war with the devil than to be at war with God. When Martin Luther discovered it, The man in red tights himself made an appearance. Some scholars debate this. They say, oh, it's all psychological. Oh, he was just, you know, it's just a metaphor with the Pope. That's just not true. The devil himself showed up into Martin Luther's life because he knew that he discovered something that would change the world, which, in fact, it did. And where Martin Luther had these encounters with God, guess what? He also had visitations. By the devil. And how he responded is key for us today. Because he responded, it was the response of a man that responded to God's goodness. It was the response of a man that once lived in fear, in trepidation, in guilt. And now the response was from a man that understood love, joy, peace, Laughter, God's grace. Uh, this is I hate the, I love this season, but I also hate this season because we're plagued with all the horror movies, right? And the horror movie has one base element, and that is to provoke fear in you and your kids, and you worry about what is hiding under the bed, right? You ever? How many remember being a little kid and being afraid of like what's under the bed? I was, yeah, I did too. yeah, it is terrifying right that, that That primal fear, and here's the thing that happened to Martin Luther, like the devil was literally hiding under his bed, and he he like creeps out in the shadows and he's going to terrify Martin Luther and Martin Luther they got to get, you got to get this, you have to get this. Martin Luther stirs from his sleep, rolls over in his bed, looks the devil in the face, and says. Oh, it's just you. And rolls over and goes back to bed. Right? Yes. That is the attitude of a warrior. And this is what we have to get when we begin to fight. Because he's calling us to fight. One time, the devil showed up in Martin Luther's castle. And he threw an inkwell at him. And the stain is still there at the, on the on the the castle wall. He called the devil all kinds of very colorful names, which I cannot repeat in church. I really want to, and I probably should, but I'll offend somebody, so I'm not going to do it. But he called the devil some very colorful names and did some very colorful gestures towards the enemy of God. Psalms 91 says that the Lord is going to prepare a place for us. And at our table is the enemy of God. And the purpose for him eating with us is so we can make fun of him. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But we get to participate in his vengeance in mocking the devil. This is what he's calling us into. He's calling us into uh, a confidence in the spirit that says, okay, I'm going to be attacked? Good. I know that might be difficult to hear. I know that might seem negative, but like if the enemy of God is not coming after you, then you're just not doing your job. You've, slept, you've slipped into a, a passive, spiritual lifestyle. You've allowed the law to just dictate what you should do instead of allowing the empowering grace to continue to lead and to guide. You need to trust in the grace of Jesus. Amazing thing about the day you you entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, everything changed, right? This is Christian cliche, can't help it, but Jesus came into your heart. He lives there. Exciting. Uh, the body is what we call the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your very being and begins to mingle with your spirit, man or your spirit woman or whatever your spirit person, the very core, the identity of who you are, the thing that goes on to eternity when you, when your body dies. The Holy Spirit and your spirit are in this intimate relationship. That's exciting. You think about that Jesus is living in your house? He's living in your temple? Let's think about it practically. What would it really be like if the man himself said, I'm going to come and live with you? Like, oh my gosh, I better clean up my house. Right? I better pick the underwear up the floor. I better do the dishes. Wouldn't you be motivated to make sure your house is all tidied up? And when that, when you, you just, you want to honor the Lord, but at the same time, there's a respect and a, and a reverence to his very presence. I remember when I got married, it was amazing. I invited a woman into my house, right? Oh, woman living? I'm living with a woman. It's like... Exciting stuff. I'm sleeping with somebody. Been married how many years have I been married? You should know this. Seventeen years now. It's a little different, right? So my relationship with my wife is different. So there's you know, inviting the woman into my house is a little is a little bit I mean, she's been we've been together for seventeen years. So that novelty of having her move into my space has changed. And the good husband and the good wife will recognize that familiarity could bring contempt. And so it is, you know, James would say you have to be the existential in the relationship. You have to, we say, work for it, but you have to be mindful in saying, okay, I need to value this thing and I need to make sure I don't take it for granted. We take our marriages for granted. We can take our relationship with the Lord for granted. He's living in your house. When you first came in, you cleaned your bedroom. But now you don't. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it's not meant to be judgmental. It's clearly saying, Jesus is living with you. Pull your weeds. Right? Right? You can't save yourself. You can't wash yourself from your sins. Only Jesus can do that. But he's living in your midst. All right. Let's go to, let's go to the book of John now. The Gospel of John. Uh, man. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I just... All right, let's read this first. Uh, John chapter 1. We'll do verse 10. See how see how well I do. He was in the world, and though the world was not made through him, the world did not recognize him. This is the whole world thing that we just talked about in the last chapter, last book. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hmm? Children born not of natural descent nor human decision of a husband's will, but born of God. That's you. The word, that's Jesus, if you don't know that. Logos, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. He's in you. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay. John saw God's glory. I just wish I could catch a glimpse of what John saw. He, saw. he saw something in Jesus that completely captivated him. Most of us, like if we got exposed to the glory of God, what would the, remember I asked you to write your response, your emotional response down, what would your emotional response be if you were exposed to the pure glory of God? Who came from the Father, here we go, full of grace and truth. This is cool. So Jesus, the Word, the Logos, he is full of what? What's the topic we're talking about? He's full of grace and truth. He is the fullness of grace. It's almost as if grace itself is a person, and it's Jesus. John testified concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he whom I said who comes after me and has surpassed me because he was before me. Before time itself, Jesus was. John figures this out. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. All right, meditate on this just for a second. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. What's the first blessing we get when we get grace? What's the first one we get? Salvation. But it doesn't stop there. He wants to continue to bless us. And whenever God blesses and whenever He gives, he does it lavishly. He's not a stingy father. He, he's, he wants to spoil us with grace, with more. From the fulfillment, excuse me, from the fullness of His grace, we have received one blessing after another. It's an exponential blessing. Uh, principle for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God but God the one and only who is at the father's side was made known see John knew Jesus Of course, all the apostles did, but there was something special and intimate about John's relationship with Jesus, and he saw, he, he saw no one else on the planet that was able to carry as much grace as Jesus did. He was the kindest man John had ever known. He was the most gracious man John had ever known. He was the most powerful man that John has ever known. And when John was in his presence, when John responded to Jesus' grace, John felt powerful. Yeah. When you get around Jesus... When you get into His presence, when you realize He's living in your house, that makes you powerful. You ever been around like somebody inspiring, like Steve Jobs, or I have never been around Steve Jobs. I don't know, but you know, what I'm ta- you know what I'm saying? Some high-powered CEO or somebody, somebody that made you feel good about yourself, and there's there's like something that just welled up inside of you. It's like I want to be a better person. Do you, you see? This is Jesus. This is what Jesus wants to do when you guys get together. He doesn't want you to feel guilty about your stuff. The response should say, oh my gosh, I'm around the most gracious, most powerful, most loving, the kindest individual in all of creation. It makes me want to be a better man. I'm going to go pull my weeds. I'm going to go wash my hands. I'm going to purify my mind. Because Jesus is calling me up to a higher level. Because I want to. Not because I have to. I want to live a pure lifestyle not because I have to but because I'm completely fascinated by what Jesus did for me on the cross this grace thing is ridiculous it's scandalous it's not fair it's it's almost reckless it's lavish it's exuberance it's it's too much it's too good to be true and he gives us more. He wants to fill our space with more grace. You think you got God figured out now? No. You think you have enough of his goodness inside of you? We haven't even scratched the surface of what God can do or what we can see. I believe that God's calling our church to be aware of where God is. Conscious of His Spirit. Higher it sounds a new age, I can't help it. Higher levels of consciousness where we can see God's glory. What does that look like? Oh man, I don't I have seen so many strange things. So many things that say, what? What no? How could this possibly be? My mind has to be renewed in order for me to understand what the Lord is doing. Let's get back into warfare. This week, I talked with a lady, a friend. And she's, like all of us, she's, life's hard, right? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> life's hard. It's complicated. It doesn't make sense. Bad things happen to good people. And so she's struggling with this idea. And and she, oh man, this was tough. She's faithful. She's consistent. She's positive. And she's serving. And she says to me, is there something in my life that's not allowing God to bless me? I kind of want to give up. That's the attitude. That's the like. No, no, no. It's like, am I am I being faithful enough? Is it a lack of faith? Is it? it, No, I don't think so. Because here you are at the food bank, being a blessing to others. So that ain't it. This is the enemy of God. This is the accuser. This is downright dirty spiritual warfare. And you need to thank God in advance for the blessing that he's bringing. And then there's something else that needs to stir up inside of us all. Because life is hard. And the attitude of the spiritual warrior, the Deborahs and the Esthers and the Joshuas and the Calebs and that's our, we need to begin to identify with those spiritual figures and take on those spiritual mantles because those warriors, they mock the enemy of God, and that's what she needed to do in this time. When these things come, you just make fun of it. it the, the, the spiritual strong man or the spiritual strong woman knows how to take a punch, and you're going to get a lot of them. You're just going to get body blow after body blow. And at the sake of sounding weird, it's almost like you need to be a little um, masochistic. Like you need to be able to like, hit me. Let's see what you got, devil. Because no weapon formed against me can hurt me. So let's just continue to let you play this thing out so I can mock you later. Right? Right? Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? So, what are you struggling with in within your life? What an incredible testimony you have stacked up. It's lining up, and you get to, this is, your, this is your opportunity to make fun of the devil. In literary circles, one of the genres, and we see it in movies quite a bit, is the, the protagonist who doesn't give up, who continues to fight, even though he knows that he's lost. One of my favorite movies, and this is the best. I don't, we just didn't have time to show you the video. But the best illustration of this is from the movie Cool Hand Luke. If you're, younger, if you're older than me, you've seen the movie. If you're younger than me, you've been, what in the heck are you talking about? For those of you that are younger than me, the story gets retold in Fight Club with Brad Pitt. All right? Okay, so it's the same story. It's the same idea of the protagonist who doesn't who continues to fight. So Coolham Luke, he's in jail, and he he mouths off, gets himself into a fight, and the guy just beats the living daylights out of Luke. It's uh, Paul Newman, by the way. if it helps you with the the picture, beats the living daylights out of him. And and Paul Paul Newman just keeps on getting up. Luke keeps on getting up. I mean, and the big guy just pounds him again and pounds him again. And here's the fun part about the whole scene. I want to encourage you guys to YouTube it and watch it. The fun part about the whole scene is that the whole crowd is, they're all gathered around, and they're all cheering it on because they like the violence, because they like the blood. It's very exciting. But because there was a a strength, a spiritual strength inside of Luke that kept on getting up, kept on getting up, kept on getting up, even though he knew he was going to lose, the guy's bigger than him. He's a monster. And eventually, everybody's like starting to grimace like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Like this sinful lifestyle isn't fun anymore. It's starting to gross me out a little bit. I'm not taking pleasure in this carnality anymore. And they begin to turn away. And they're like, one of the guys says, I just maybe we should begin to stop this thing. And even the big guy that's beaten him to death says, Stay down, Luke. Stay down, Luke. You stay down, Luke. And he just he just stumbles back up, takes up really with all of his strength, this kind of trying to slap the big guy. And he says, you're just going to have to kill me. That's the, that's the attitude of the Christian warrior. I don't really care what happens. Come what may, you're just going to have to kill me. And even if you do, I'm still going to be happy. Although, this was last, last week's, although 1,000 will die at my left, 10,000 at my right, the enemy of God can't touch me. No evil can come against me. This is the truth that we get. No evil can touch you ever. Well, what if somebody kills me? Well, then your blood cries out. (laughs) And that is your blood crying out from the ground is even more powerful than your mouth. You should be so lucky. Grace is amazing. Grace gives us that fighting edge. and I want to encourage you, this week you're going to war. You're going to fight. You're going to take body blow after body blow, and you're going to laugh. You're going to say, oh, you know, devil, quit tickling me. This is funny. That's the attitude, because... We have the fullness of God's glory that rises us up. When we recognize it, when we're exposed to it, when we realize what, it, what Jesus really is and where he really is at, nothing is impossible for us. Nothing is impossible. I got the band to come up to the front. We have got a special treat. Marina's going to enter us into our prayer time. And I, you know what? Just listen to God right now. Not only listen to God, but pray with God. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying and interceding. I want to encourage you to get on the same page with them instead of being on your page. He has got a better view of you than you have of yourself. God bless.
1: Amen. Um, I was praying this week and I felt the Lord press on me that that our church really needs to ask for the gift of discernment, and not just like being able to detect evil, but being able to measure the lack of power of evil compared to our God, if that makes sense. Um, Totally went along with today's message. So if you would just stand with me, we're gonna receive from the Holy Spirit. Um, At Granite Creek, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that there's healing that comes, that there's an encounter with God that comes, and that there's a, a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to Put into us when we receive it so I'm gonna put my hands out you can join me with that father we just thank you for what you're doing in our church today father we call out to you go ahead and call out to him Lord we ask for a spirit of discernment to fall on our church that we can look the devil in the eyes and say oh it's just you that we can see your power rising up in us Lord that we won't be afraid Lord, I ask for a special prayer over our thought life, that negativity will die, that you'll just burn up everything in our thought life that doesn't belong there, that's tearing us down. And God, we just hand over a responsibility to you for what we've allowed in our brains, what we've allowed to go into our minds, Lord. We just hand that over to you. Go ahead and hand it over to him. Father, we ask for your fire to fall on us. To fall on us in this place. We receive your peace. We receive your warfare. We are warriors, God, rising up. Rising up. And if there's anything in us that's keeping us from your fullness, Lord, we hand it over to you. Help us to see in the dark. Give us night vision. We worship you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for building us up and for strengthening us and showing us the real thing, showing us the truth. You're for us, who can be against us? So we just seal this in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us even closer to your heart. And we bless our church in your name, Jesus, amen.